Hello and welcome to Simply Walk the Talk. Making sense of the health and fitness world, one conversation at a time. My name is Josh Holland. And I'm Grace Nuttall. What is up? Hey, welcome to another episode. Another episode. Like, at one point, I'm sure we're going to look back and be like, this is our 100th episode. Amazing. Right now, we are still plugging along. Still <laughs> chatting away. Still, yes. <laughs> chatting away. Chat, chatting. Chatting away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Chatting away. I'm not sure what chatting <laughs> Yeah, we have, a, we have a, a, another guest on the show. I actually like it when we have guests on the show because sometimes Grace and I just keep talking and I ramble and she shuts me up. Uh, but we have change. we have my good friend Andrew. Hey everybody. Let's say what's up, Andrew. Yeah. What's up, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my boy Andrew, he's on the show. He is a uh, he's a trainer. Um, he's the inventor and producer of the Axle. And yep. uh, you know maybe maybe I'll let you say it. Tell tell people who you are and what you do and what you've done, and we'll just dive into your story. Man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you say, I'm a trainer, and I think that's probably the most accurate term. Uh, I was uh, in high school. I went, and I guess I'll just get into how this whole thing got started. In high school, I was a baseball player. I ran track, but I was most notorious for being a gym rat. And mm. to the point where I would do work with uh, some of our high school sports guys and like do workouts with them in the gym and the weight room and everything like that. And I was always there. And then in college, uh, so I'm from Virginia, Southern Virginia. VA? Uh, VA. And <laughs> way down south, but it's not like Northern Virginia. Southern Virginia is way different, um, especially where I am. I'm about an hour, let's see, an hour from the North Carolina, Tennessee kentucky border so um which i know you're from oklahoma so it's like there's a little bit more of like a small town root connection there uh went to uva Mm -hmm. and i actually was a trainer there that's where my training career began and i think it was i gotta look back and see but i think it was my second year of college when i got certified at at uva and was a trainer for their health and fitness systems and worked with some of their athletes um graduated school moved to new york i got a job at i had a few different jobs everybody has a few different jobs Uh-oh. when they come home. <laughs> but, but the the main job that i found the most satisfaction in was which is really one of the reasons the uh, primary reasons that i came here was uh, uh training at the new york athletic club mm-hmm. and so the nyac mm-hmm. and it is a uh, a wonderful, beautiful Olympic training center in uh, Midtown, right on Central Park South. Yeah, I've walked past it a few times. Yeah, you see, you see the big NYC green banner? Yeah. And in that space, which you don't realize, is that they have uh, all, uh, like, pretty, pretty uh, uh, premier Olympic training facilities. So they have uh, uh, fencing, wrestling, boxing, swimming, basketball all of these different sports and so i got linked with the linked up with the basketball guys that were there um amongst some of the other sports mm-hmm. um and was doing training with a lot of the pro athletes and the semi-pro um nba guys and, and european league guys and college players that uh were training there and that's actually how i got to know josh so yeah, yeah. we got a shout out to our buddy ed ed what's up ed <laughs> hey ed 
And and by the way, before we continue on, because this is a great story, but I, I want to make sure everybody knows your first and last name, Andrew Page. Everyone. Yeah. Andrew Page on the <laughs> like show. Like Page in a book. Just because I'm I'm cool with Andrew, I'm like I'm just glossing over it. But yeah, Andrew Page and continue. Yeah. So you guys met up playing basketball, like. How how did that friendship kind of develop? Yeah, so we didn't actually. I didn't meet Josh playing basketball. I oh, met okay. Josh through a buddy at this this great guy Ed, mm-hmm. um, who you know is uh, everybody's best friend. Um, <laughs> and Ed yeah, introduced me to Josh uh, last year, and was like, "Hey man, you guys need to get connected. Yeah. You're a fitness guy, and Ed is a uh, you know Ed is a play basketball with Josh, and mm-hmm. he's like Josh is a fitness guy." And he does all this other stuff, and Ed is crazy. Like he gets all he gets really hyped up and excited, and he's like, "Yo, dude, you gotta connect." You know, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he connected us, and here we are. Yeah, and here we are. And I think uh, <coughs> right after Ed sort of connected us, then we met. I think the first time we met was at Techno Gym. Right? At Techno Gym. Yeah. So we we had a meeting at Techno Gym, and it was just kind of like, all right, I know Ed is a master connector, so let me just see who he's connecting me with, and yeah. You told me about what you do, and I kind of told you about what I do, and next thing you know, you're like, dude, I have this, this thing. I'm like, <laughs> I got a gizmo. I'm like, uh, dude, that is amazing. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the gizmo is called the Axle, and uh, it's a project that I've been working on for, as you know, I guess it's probably been about two and a half years now. So since 2015, it's been in the works and development. So I, when I was working at the NYEC with all the basketball players, of which I still work with many of them mm-hmm. today, um, the, uh, we used to do Olympic weightlifting complexes, which that means for people that don't know what Olympic weightlifting complexes are, it means that <laughs> oh, you do. That be me. <laughs> right. So Grace, if you imagine that you're holding a big heavy bar, yeah. there are a few different positions for you to optimize the way that your body moves and the way for you to manipulate the bar through space. One of those is uh, from a hip hinge, so like sort of bowing at the waist with your back flat, if you can imagine that. Is that deadlifting? Yes. Okay. It is deadlifting. (laughs) And there is another one that's more knee dominant called a, you can either do a front squat, right? So you know what, everybody knows what a squat is, right? So, uh, and so the, we would do these different Olympic lifting complexes with, uh, the, the pro athletes or the, whatever, you know, the basketball players that we were working with. And then we would use that same bar to do these different rolling exercises. Mm -hmm. And everybody's done this at the gym before. It's a very unofficial thing that you see people doing because somebody gets creative and they're like, I'm going to roll on this thing too. You know, I can, yeah. I don't just have to lift it. I can roll it. Watch this, you know, and they go and they do a roller. They do a push up on the bar, um, which is actually really good for your core, right? It's great core engagement because it is, uh, elong- it's a controlled elongation of the muscles in your core or eccentrics is what the term is in, mm-hmm. in our world. So, uh, but the problem is, is that the bar is super heavy. Yeah. So as you know, do you, how, do you know how much an Olympic barbell weighs? Uh, is it 20 kilograms? Exactly. Right? Ooh. I've done a little bit of weightlifting. Okay. Just a small amount. As, as she shows her guns. Okay. <laughs> nice. There are no guns. <laughs> the guns are non-existing. But so, exactly. You have the 20 kilogram bar and or 45 pound bar-ish. And then, in order to get it to a proper uh, lifting height, you have to add two big bumper plates on it. Bumper plates are just a taller 
plates uh, that would represent a about an 11 inch height off the ground where the barbell stands. So that's a 65 pound starting weight. And you were talking, uh, Josh was talking earlier, I'm going to revert back to one of the other episodes when you talk about weightlifting and you talk about people using a, as you get closer to your body weight, you are it's really ends up quieting, being quite a lot of weight to manipulate if you're not a trained person. Yeah, yeah. So that would obviously lead to a lot of injuries, just potentially. Potentially, yeah. potentially. It depends on your the term is training age. So it's like how long have you been training? Right, right. And even for me, there's a lot of exercises that I can do with a 65 pound barbell that are challenging. Mm-hmm. Right, and if that's the entry point, I decided that there's probably needed to be scaled back from there. So we made the axle, and the axle is essentially a the same, same. It looks the same, apart from the fact that it has big green plastic wheels on it, and it only weighs eleven pounds, and it's collapsible. So it all it comes in a bag. That's how I actually showed it to Josh. Is yeah. I had it like in like a. It looks like a ninja case. <laughs> it's like it's like a, a ninja turtles backpack exactly thing. so it's and a I, secret weapon it's a secret <laughs> weapon and you take it in and you and you put it all together and all of a sudden you have this like this very light manipulable barbell for everybody right that yeah. you can actually add weight to as well you can use this design so that you can use uh, any other regular plate on there and make it however heavy you would prefer to lift the bar but it is a lower barrier to entry for people that have never done this kind of training before yeah that sounds much more accessible yeah um like i remember starting out like trying to do some weight training um on like doing um but, uh, bench presses and not being able to lift the bar because like it was too heavy for me because yeah. i'd never done weightlifting before so it's really quite a it's heavy yeah 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 it is and in fact one of the typical programs i give for a lot of my male athletes or my male clients who want to train like athletes, I do a standard um, 100 chest presses with the bar mm-hmm. and to see how many you can do without stopping. It's funny. I just did this with one of my clients okay. right before I came here. It's a great test. It's a good sort of baseline test. It's the 100. See. Yeah, yeah, the 100. It's, it's really nice, really easy, and if you can get through it, the most I've ever done is 135 reps without stopping. And it felt like my chest was about to rip. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it, the bar feels like it gets heavier and heavier and heavier <laughs> and heavier. Uh, but anyway, I don't even know how we got on that. Um, so, speaking of, go ahead. Yeah, speaking of the, the barrier to entry and lowering that and trying to reduce the risk, at that 11 pounds and even with your axle, what, what do you see? Are there any sort of uh, injuries or, or risks that you're hearing, you know, because I know you have it in a few places right now. Sure. Right? So we teach the axle workout, as we like to call it, in a group fitness class. Mm-hmm. It's designed as a group fitness tool because it disassembles and stores really easily, and then you can essentially just put it together and you have a class of, you know, now you have a class of 20 people with this awesome, cool rolling barbell that you can add weights to, right? So we have a whole certification and, a, and format that we teach the class in. Um, we have, uh, we'll soon be, I guess, seven locations in New York City where we do group classes. Um, so and some of those are, those locations? Crunch is a big partner with us. Clay is a big partner with us. Mercedes Club. Um, we also have the tool in a few different personal training studios. 
as well. So you can go and check out classes and you know, the crunch is a different class. But getting back to your point about injuries and what do you see in terms of you know people's mobility in the class? So that's really where we what we dial it back to is evaluating mobility and mm-hmm. trying to help people uh, move a little bit better in these foundational movement patterns. And we get people that have a lot of trouble with the core bracing aspect of it, so doing the rolling stuff um, because uh, because of the instability of the core. And it's not like any other class that you've done in that regard uh, because there is so much less support. And you're also lifting a bar in independent space. Nothing is suspended. You're not fixed on a spin bike. There, It is you and the space around you, right? And this and this piece of equipment that you're lifting, so we do have people that have come back and say, yeah, it was a really challenging workout. Um, I mean, knock on wood, we have <laughs> never had any major injuries, uh, awesome. which is really nice. Um, but there's always, uh, you know, one of the things you learn, and I learned this because I, you know, I'm not from the commercial fitness space, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the interesting things. This is my first foray into this world. Uh, I didn't, you know, I. I I've never been to a group fitness class in Crunch. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, don't know much about this world. I come from a sports science and, and strength and conditioning world. So, uh, but this was, there's a way to do things so that there are progressions and regressions mm-hmm. uh, that you can make things harder and you can dial them back and then you can format the class around all of those different things. So I guess kind of coming from like, being a trainer to then developing a product like what kind of things have you learned along the way obviously you talked about like going seeing classes more often yeah oh that is a monster question (laughs) the the, well it is because it's a being a trainer is like any other trade right and developing a product is like being a businessman very suddenly and i have an awesome business partner Uh, his name is anuj uh, he has been helping me throughout the entire way, and he is a business school grad and the kind of person. And I tell everybody this: that if you ever think about like going down this route, they always have somebody that is there to help you because mm-hmm. it's like you're gonna have questions that you're <laughs> like, "What? Like, I don't know how to do any of that." And you need to figure it out with somebody, right? So someone that you trust and someone that you can lean on. Um, that will support you and, and be creative in their own right is one of these really, uh, I, just the first thing that you have to do mm-hmm. when you're starting something like this. Um, the other thing that's been, I guess, interesting is that, and Josh, you know this too, is that you have to change gears from uh, from being an individual that's practicing to, uh, you know, like a, something that feels like a little bit like an out-of-body experience. Because when you walk into a room, you are a representative of a much larger collection of people and ideas and concepts and uh, systems than you were instead of just like walking in as your as me and your page. It's like mm-hmm. that's not what it is anymore. Yep. So, um, you know, <laughs> and I think I was a little bit like when I was a young trainer, I was a hothead. Um, and it's just like it, that's sort of who I am. And I was not a very good employee and now I try to be like the best, you know, most uh, approachable uh, person that I could be, you know, when you walk into a space. I mean, Josh, you know about that. 
Absolutely. I, I think <clears throat> I, I like to speak to a lot of trainers and young people growing up that want to get into training. And I've, I've had the opportunity to speak to different leadership groups. And this is one of the, the main things I talk about is sort of learning how to wear different hats and to be adaptable, but also understand that you're always being watched. Yeah. You know, you're always being watched. And, you know, if you're the butthole, you know, <laughs> right? Like if you're if you are a guy who just is bad to people and then you expect to walk into a class and do a really good job and just sell a tool, people are going to be like, no, man, I just saw you at the grocery store. Exactly. You were like yelling at some poor old woman because she cut in front of you. Right. Yeah. And this is this is it's such a small world, but this is something that I like to try to teach because, for one, it helps you to be a, a good person in general. Right. But for two, it helps you to represent your product and uh, or represent your service, whatever it might be. So I think that's I think it's huge to talk about that. I mean, talking about like walking the talk, it's like it's it's amazing how much that has changed me in terms of just like. I'm like pretty happy all the time and like don't have a lot of frustrations and like, you know, and it, it really permeates you as an individual. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and then, I don't know, it's kind of an amazing thing. It was a really interesting lesson um, coming along this. Yeah. So, um, I guess Grace to answer the other stuff. It's also, you know, you're all, you, you will never, if you're trying to make a product, you're never going to... Uh, it's an entirely different skill set and you have to be always thinking about you have to you're a you're a serial planner right <laughs> like you're uh, it's like my whole day is just planning things like for for th the next three hours and then the next 10 hours and then tomorrow and then the rest of the week and then you know in all these different increments and also that incurred you know it includes really long-term goals so um and, and that's not really that fun yeah. It's not really very creative to plan things. The original like development of an idea and like development of the axle was really fun and creative and making the class and figuring out what worked and what didn't work and who yeah. was good and who was not and yeah. all that stuff. Planning is not really that creative. You know, you're just kind of like I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's just a scheduler. But <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's that's part of it too, you know. And what is interesting is that the people that I have teamed up with to help us bring this on board are now the ones that are producing a lot of the creative content. So, and then I just get, they just show it to me and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe you made that, you know? And, and then I get to say, yeah. And like, and still be that. Remember we talked about that really like the really happy person, which I genuinely am. Um, and just encouraging them to keep doing an amazing job. So, well, Let's let's shift this uh, in a different direction because my interactions with you is always quite comical, and I love how we can always get together and have a good laugh. And I think that's it's important to have people like this uh, in the industry because there's a lot of competition here in New York, mm -hmm. and I feel like you know those who are doing well tend to be those that learn to work together with others, and I feel like we've done that from day one, which is great. Um, but I heard you, overheard you saying, uh, telling a story about one of your clients uh, <laughs> when we were at the cryotherapy place. We were right. at uh, Advanced Cryo, and you were talking to one of the guys about uh, one of your Russian clients. Do you care to right. elaborate a little bit about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this last... All right, so dialing back a little bit. So when I was at the NYEC, there's a guy named Andre Kirilenko who's a, a, an amazing 
incredible NBA athlete. Um, and he is, and also he's a friend and a, just a, a great person and somebody that I had the privilege to get to know while I was training at the NYAC. And then he, it was funny. So we said we were training, we did that, and then I knew that AK was doing it. His AK forty seven is his nickname because um, <laughs> he's a sniper. He's a sniper, and and he's also Russian. So <laughs> and it's so he said to me, you know. You know, Andrew, I'm gonna. You just wait. You know, I'm gonna be. You're gonna get a text message one day from me about coming to train in Russia, and I was like, "All right, yeah. you know, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not gonna hear." <laughs> and then in this, I guess it was May of 2016 that I was on a walk with my wife uh, and just like strolling along, and and I was like, "Oh man." Like, I just got a text message from AK asking me to come. This was in, I think he texted me in May about coming July 1st for their Russian national team training camp for two weeks. And so, yeah, so yeah. So this was a crazy, this is one of those things in life where you're like, all right, I got to go. Yeah, you have right? to hot foot and get the visa. And yeah. And it's like, it is a no brainer in terms of like, I don't, you know, I don't have children. So uh, uh, yeah, in terms of like, res- Time demand and time sensitive responsibilities, I can uh, relatively flexible, um, and especially at that time, probably less so now. Um, and I was like, "Man, I'm going right." You know, like <laughs> you gotta say, you gotta be like, you gotta go. So you go to the Russian embassy and you deal with them, and they give you. You're like, "Hey, I'm Andrew," and they're like, "No, you cannot get in here." You know, <laughs> like you. And I'm not. I'm doing a terrible impression, but like the the Russian guys will literally they like stop you at the door. And you're like, no, no, wait, you know, AK sent me. And then they're like, they kind of like disappear back inside the embassy. And then they come back out and they're like, Mr. Page, come inside. You know, like, so you really like, you know, it was great. It was awesome because I was like, holy cow, this is really happening, you know. Yeah. And and then I got on the plane and flew to Moscow. And they were just, it was just a wonderful experience because it was like the the, the Russian culture is one that I identify with. Uh, for for whatever reason, very closely, I think it's because of that uh, yeah, a very independent thinker and an, and a strong personality. Um, and, and I just like I just got along with these guys. Like I was like, this is a really cool place to go train. Anyway, we we spent two weeks in one training center with like thirty guys uh, that were their team members, and we would you know wake up in the morning and like go to the team meeting, and all the meetings were in Russian. <laughs> So, and so I was you're just nodding. And exactly, smiling. I was just nodding and smiling, and then they would be like, "Andrew, what would you like to add?" You know, and they would like, you know, and then I would say like, you know, whatever I had to say, and then they, you know, but the, the cool thing was is that they really respected me. You know, they were they were really valuing my opinion and uh, and insight, and I, it was just a great scenario. Apart from the the, the cafeteria food, because it was like in a it was in a school. So we were we had dorms and we had a cafeteria and we had we were literally in one place for two weeks in a row, wow. under one roof with these guys. So which was great, um, and they, yeah, it was really like a special thing. We, uh, but the cafeteria food was like you know suspect if you can imagine like <laughs> suspect like well it's like cafeteria food and like a and it was probably like a originally designed as like a high school space or something like that. A little bit outside of uh, the city of Moscow, so mm. it was. Uh, you know, you would get. You ever have borscht? I don't yes. even know if I'm saying yeah, that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Have you ever had bad borscht? No. 
No, I can I can thankfully say no. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it can get a little it can get a little rough. So you got to be careful about you know. And also they they have a big thing with mayonnaise over there where they like slather everything in mayonnaise. Oh no! So yeah, <laughs> I know it was like it was one of those things. So uh, but it was you know at the end of the day, it was like you know you talk about whatever the food or everything like that. It was still a spectacular experience and just like a lot of fun. Um, so, and like something that I, obviously I can vividly, you know, you have those memories and those experiences where you vividly remember, uh, all the moments and everything that happened. Um, it was really neat. So anyway. Very cool. So it sounds like, like you've obviously got a lot of experience. Your background is in more athletic training rather than the commercial side. Right. Do you have any like perspective or advice that you think is worth sharing that you kind of noticed, like the differences you've noticed between the two or anything that... Like yeah, that. uh, that's a great question. So uh, everything that we do with Axel is uh, athlete-inspired. We're trying to inspire and bring out people's inner athlete. And I know that that is you know, a, a phrase that may be tossed around here and there, but we are the, the work that we do in our class settings is specifically designed to help people optimize their performance and functionality. And that is you know, from the ground up, and literally from the ground up. So what we see a lot of, or what I'm seeing a lot of, and I think the people in general that are in the industry know this, is that there are a lot of commercial classes out there and group fitness classes where people go too hard for what their bodies are ready for um, and then end up having an injury or something like that. And it's not necessarily bad that you're trying to go out and get a quality workout, but it's different, to, again, with when we talk about training age, right? And you see people that are trying to do some high skill, like like an Olympic lift. If somebody walks out and tries to do an Olympic lift with a heavy weight and has never done that before, versus the people that you see that are... If you go into an Olympic weightlifting center, they are practicing with a barbell with no weights and practicing on form and working on technique, and they are skilled. And it's just not the same thing for people doing these tricky activities for the first time. So you got to be really careful with that kind of stuff. It's like it would like be like me walking onto the the high dive and being <laughs> like, yo, like here we here comes the the triple corkscrew whatever thing. Yeah. Like it's not gonna happen, right? That's gonna end terribly. So uh, and and it would very likely end in me being injured, right? Um, or Grace, if you decided to, I don't know, do you ice skate? No, very rarely. Oh, wow. Grace is a champion ice skater. <laughs> that uh, unfortunately, that's not one of my surprise talents. I'm wow. not too shabby at it, but yeah, I wouldn't say Okay, never mind. We're going to skip that. I like the, no, I like the ice, the ice skating <laughs> comparison. But you understand the point is that yeah. if it's, you know, if you're not really well-practiced in a difficult task, you know, what what is the... What is the expectation and what is the outcome going to be? So, I mean, a lot of these group fitness classes feature difficult tasks. Absolutely. For, for the sake of sweating and they want people to come back. But I agree with you. Right. Completely. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the kind of trainer that believes in movement and believes in a variety of movement, constantly varied movement, which is what CrossFit kind of started out as that this was part of their mission statement was to be constantly varied and, you know, they on-ramp people and green-ramp people. But I think sometimes I started, over the years, I've seen more and more people being on-ramped 
just because they went to one class or they saw yeah. a video on, online right. and they don't want to go through that process. And this is why people get hurt. And so you hear this negative connotation. I think CrossFit is amazing. Yeah. And it's great at what it has done to our society in that it's gotten people to move and to focus more on Olympic lifts and things like that. Maybe uh, training a little heavier than they normally would. But where I find it to be difficult for me to fully, fully uh, embrace it is when they're allowing people they know good and well should not Shouldn't be, be doing, doing these, certain, yeah. these certain uh, lifts or, or workouts. And it's like, you know, just just slow down, people. <laughs> so one, all right, this brings up his interesting point. And, and again, I'm, I keep bringing up this training age thing. But when you work with pro athletes, they know what they can do and what they cannot do. Yeah. And I don't think that a lot of people who are not trained athletes have a good sense of what that is. And I, you know, you hear this, like, I'll be working with the guy and he's like, guy, I don't got that. Although he could be like presenting an act, he's like, I don't got that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, so maybe we should change it up, right? They, and they, they have an innate sense of that, that yes or no. It's amazing. So, and they know it, right? Because yeah. they've, they've been through these motions a million times, you know, literally millions of times gone through the same motions and they know how it is and I, th- I feel like that's what the case with me too you know and but the problem is is that it's so easy to get excited you feel like if you're at a crossfit and every all these people are around you and they're like they're doing it and you're like i'm gonna do it too <laughs> of course by golly like that's gonna be, you know like here we go and then like you just don't really have that sense of like the the yes or the no do you think that there's almost an element sometimes with people almost having a sense of embarrassment? Like, they're not, they don't want to admit that they don't know how to do something? Like, in terms of the commercial world, like, um, yeah. like in a group class, they might keep quiet because they don't want to seem like it's too much for them? I, I see it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I've taught group classes for a couple years, several years, and I've gone to many group classes, and I find that to be the case a lot of the time. It's people, especially uh, people who are fit, you know, who are quote unquote fit, right? Just because they look aesthetically fit. Uh, I find that, you know, if you ask them, you know, to show me an over a good overhead squat, they're like, oh yeah, and well then you watch them do it, and it's like, uh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. When they should be just comfortable and saying, oh no, no, you know, I'm not really good at that. I have, you know, tight, blah blah blah. Like you were saying with your athletes who have this innate ability. Of knowing what they can do. Sure. Right? So, I know. I mean, you're exactly right. And I think that, I don't know if it's not, I mean, probably not like embarrassment necessarily, but like feeling compelled to try something. If you have a group of people that are doing, you know, a particular exercise and they are doing it well, you probably are looking around and being like, well, I can move around and I should do this. I should be able to do this too. Yeah. And sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Right? So it'd be just like, it'd be the same thing if like, listen, if you're in a class of athletes and everybody's doing this amazing, you know, all of these, you know, awesome exercises and you're like, oh man, I'm going to do that exercise too. And then it doesn't work out. That would be the same thing as me walking into Alvin Ailey up the street and, and going in and being like, all these ballerinas are all around me. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to knock this out. And I don't knock it out. I fail because I, I would fail at that, right? Yeah. And that makes sense. But it's just, again, these things have become – there's a reason that the term commercial is, is linked to this. is because they are commercially available. Fitness is something that is now more than ever more commercially available. And we have gone to 
the 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 hardest and the most we've gone I, I think that the industry is, it caters a little bit more now to like more difficult exercises and and routines and high intensity which is not a bad thing right but you got to be careful and selective about what you're asking people to do agreed so you know the the visual that comes to my mind after going through this question and and, and your responses to that is the show ridiculousness <clears throat> you guys know that show ridiculousness mm-hmm. with uh, Rob Deerdick um, I'm sure many of the listeners out there know this show, but it's the show that breaks down all these viral videos of people hurting themselves, doing different things. <laughs> and uh, I remember doing uh, a, my MoveNAT certification, and I was in Oklahoma as my brother and I. And during the MoveNAT certification, the guy that we were learning from, uh, he was a, a very skilled parkour instructor, but he also was a MoveNAT instructor, so he kind of all the people who took that certification got a chance to learn a bit of parkour and the move nat principles, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. So do you know what a Kong is? Or uh-huh. uh, Yeah. So a Kong is like, you know, you're jumping over a barrier with like your hands and you're just like diving at it and you just tap it with your hands and then you let your feet come through and you k- carry on running, right? Well, when you see a good skilled parkour person do this and then you see a bunch of other people doing it, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that, right? So wait, wait, I, so it's just for visual. This is a this is the equivalent of a cheetah in the jungle running up and yeah. and jumping over a log, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just tap the log with the paws and then they pull their feet through and keep on going. Great visual. Okay, that's cool. exactly right. Now, try... do cheetahs live in the jungle? Good. I know some cheetahs that live in the desert or, or in the top. I don't what? think cheetahs live in jungles. Sorry, I don't know. That was just a question because that, in the that, Sahara. No, Big cat in the jungle jumping over a log. There you go. All right, so I'm watching a few of these people do this. I practice it kind of to the side on my own. Like, oh, I think I kind of got that. That's cool. I took my legs up under. I tried to get my brother to do it. He was like, no, I am not doing that. So <laughs> I don't got that. <laughs> he was like, no, I ain't got that. So then I, I kept practicing and practicing it. So then a couple of the trainers, I brought it back to, to New York with me. And a couple of trainers were watching me like, hey, what are you practicing on? Like, oh, some stuff, stuff I learned in, uh, you know, move that. And so one of the girls decides, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> oh, my God. When she did it, she tried it. She literally went face first, oh hands first. And I was just like, oh, uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, anyway, this is what I, I visualize when a person who thinks they see something that looks easy because a person is really skilled at it. Right. But then you've never practiced it, you've never tried it, you've never even practiced the foundational elements to get you to a Kong, then you're going to mess yourself up bad, badly. It's a risky thing, and it's one of the reasons that we, our product is, and our programming, and everything that we stand for is sort of, is a level beneath the intensity of what these really, like, hard fitness classes and tough mutters and CrossFit competitions and everything like that. This is sort of like to build the base of where you are mm-hmm. as it introduce you to these kinds of things, get you started. And then, you know, when you're ready to take that next step, go ahead and do it. And you can also scale, you know, Axel up as more, you know, there's levels and more difficult levels of the class, obviously. But... So I guess like you've obviously made like a tool that will help you train a bit more like an athlete. Um, do you have any other tips for getting in the right mindset for training like an athlete? If that makes sense. So like, kind of stepping your game up. Oh. Like I think that applies to both of you. It, yeah. I Go think. for it, man. Uh, 
I like to think about mindfulness. I think mindfulness is something very powerful that has been missed or that I've seen in the recent years that's sort of missed. And mindfulness can work in many different platforms, whether it's relationships, it's training, it's uh, you know being in school, whatever. Just being mindful, being present. And I actually like to put myself visually in the in the space of a like if I'm on the basketball court, I visualize myself as being an NBA basketball player, you know, playing in the finals, in the playoffs. And it, some people might think like, dude, you're taking it way too serious. But I I am passionate about it. And I love I saw it. Saw the dunk earlier today, by the way. You saw that? Yeah, I saw ah. the dunk. It was nice. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't tried to dunk in like five years or so. And then just the other day, I was playing pickup ball. And in the middle of a pickup game, I went up like I was going to dunk, and I just finger rolled it, and my, my fingers, my fingertips, the back of my fingers tapped the rim. And, and you were my like, si- sideline was like, dude, you should have dunked that. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know, like in college, easy, I would have. Right. In college and in high school, I would have dunked it for sure. And so I thought t- today, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. Let me see if, you know, I haven't done it. So I went up once, missed it, hit the back of the rim, went up a second time, missed it again. Third time went up, boom, and you saw it. It was like yeah. you know, barely goes in, but still, it was. I was. Proud. Hey man, was that was proud. a dunk. Yeah, that was it. You know, they would have called it a dunk in a contest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so my mindfulness is more around being present, being in the shoes or in the body or in the space of the of the the situation you want to be in or the person you want to be in. So if it's if it's time to go work out, chances are I'm in that mode. I try to get myself in that mode. I breathe. And I visualize, you know, getting through the good through a good workout, um, and and trying to stay present the whole time. Yeah, I think that I mean that's an awesome example, and maybe more in depth than what I'm thinking about. But I always like to start a training session with a goal, and so it's like, why are we here, and what are we trying to achieve out of this? And if you are someone who is new to fitness or new to group classes or whatever it may be. Uh, you need to do a very sound evaluation of where your body's at and what you need to work on, and also what your you know, your mentality and what you need to work on. And I'll give two examples of that. Sometimes uh, you know a lot of us have issues with flexibility, right? And uh, if you know that you have issues with flexibility and that is impeding progress on some other aspect of your fitness goal, your overall fitness goal, you should address the session with the goal of working on that flexibility. Um, Likewise, if you know that you have difficulty mental, so that you know, running is a is a tough thing, right? You, Grace, you said you you run, right? Uh, yeah, a bit. Like, <laughs> no, no, I run, but I run on treadmills, like, and end up hating it. Yeah. So one of the things I remember when I, I, I've been running all my life in some regard, and I think that there were there was a point in time where I was doing more lifting weight than I would I was doing running. And it was interesting because I you would go out and you would run and you would be like, you know, after like the third mile or whatever it is, is you're kind of like sucking wind and you're like, man, this is really hard. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> the If you know, again, you're taking an assessment. If you know that you have difficulty with at the in that moment, then you should be working on your mental toughness. And the goal should be, I need to make sure that I am mentally tough and set myself a specific goal that I, and I think about this all the time when I'm doing some sort of training, it's like, 
I, I'm running and I'm picking a point in the distance and I'm gonna not stop until I get to that point, whatever matters, right? And it's like, if you are running up a hill and the hill is super steep, it's like, I'm getting to the top of the hill before I uh, you know, quit or give up. And pretty soon, you're running up the hill and you're running to that point in the distance afterwards without stopping. And that's how you make progress in this whole game until you get to a place where you want to be. So um, I think it's like, you know, setting goals in terms of your, your personal fitness is definitely the way to go. So, And along those lines, um, do you find, I know for me as a trainer, sometimes it becomes <clears throat> frustrating a little bit. Um, I think we all have, we, we both have challenges with different clients that we work with, but I'm finding that there's more clients today that I work with that are like, yeah, listen, I'm here to train. I want to do X, Y, and Z, but I've got this list of things wrong with me. What can we do? Yeah. <laughs> like, are, do you find yourself dealing with this a lot? Like all the time. Yeah. All the time, whether it's an athlete, well, pro athletes, you know, if you go and work with a pro athlete, everybody has had literally 20 different, at least 20 different things uh, that are, are present issues that you need to be mindful and manage. And a lot of times, uh, and, and likewise with other, you know, regular populations, folks, they have some, sort of a similar laundry list of issues that they need to manage at the same time. And one of the things that... Uh, that one of my clients always tells me is that what people are looking for in a session, because everyone has a concept of what personal training is nowadays, and what you, like Grace, if you went, have you worked with a personal trainer before? Um, once or twice. Okay. And what, going into, what, like, what was the scenario there? Um, it was, like, I joined a gym and they were trying to give me a general uh, workout plan. Okay, try and like so you just got like it, so you were not actively seeking the personal training session. It just fell in your lap. Uh, it's like a free session. Yeah, or like a like yeah. an assessment. Yeah, right. So it's different than the scenario I'm talking about here, maybe in that, um, because if people, if you're an individual, particularly in New York, where this is a popular thing to do, um, actually, let me ask you this, Grace. If you let's pretend that you wanted to sign up for personal training, what would you be looking for? Um, out of uh, my trainer or yeah out of your of... trainer and out of the session like say you're walking in and it's the first session and you signed up with josh and <laughs> what would you be or josh, somebody like josh what would you be looking to uh, what would you be what was your expectation be for the session um if it were my first session um like a good kind of analysis of my current fitness state um things that i'd need to work on like if we were going if we were creating an exercise plan like areas that i'd want to focus on and improve yeah um and then just general like good chemistry um and like rapport and you probably also want to be worked out yeah right you want to yeah. work a you, people sign up for personal well, training because they want to work a little bit you want someone to be mean like me I, I put air quotes around it mean to you like you want someone who's gonna like tell the voice in your head that usually lets makes you stop to shut up, essentially. <laughs> yep. you're like, and that's why I do I do kickboxing um, at the moment, and like that's why I like it because it's not the intensity of a personal training session necessarily. Sure. But when they tell you you have to squat for another minute, you have to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. In a personal training session, there's really no escape, right? Yep. Unless you know the person really well, in which case they might be, you know, they're they're different levels of that, right? Yeah. But 
the the one thing that I like so or back to Josh's original back to your original uh, statement about do you have you find people that have a, a list of issues that are going on well I think that what a big thing that people are looking to uh, looking for deep down is to find success and this is something that my clients tell me or one of my my, my favorite clients tells me all the time is that. <clears throat> not that my I should say favorite client I like you know, we are privileged to work with all sorts of really amazing people mm-hmm. and I mean like when I say that it's like really quite privileged so I don't I wouldn't say I have favorites everybody is a favorite in their own regard um, but you know, this particular gentleman always kind of it has a bug in my ear about you know you know people need to have success with this kind of thing when I'm pushing him really hard on something yeah. and that's a big reason that they come there is that they want to you know to succeed at something and feel that that's a sensation of a human being regardless of whether you know when you succeed at something you're like yes mm-hmm. I did something yeah. good you yeah. know and I did it right right yeah. that's a very and, and there's a there's a direct response to you know your your feeling and you get a response, um, you know, from that uh, internally and externally, right? And so I, I think that that's something to recognize. So if you can find a way for someone like that to have success, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. It's really an amazing yeah. thing. It, it's really cool to hear that pointed out in that way because uh, I feel like this is something I try to do within all my clients because I, I, I preempt it by saying, listen, I want you to know that everything we're doing, I'm trying to assess where you are so that I can then get some sort of adaptation response out of you. And I'm going to, I'm going to constantly challenge you, but everything you're doing is amazing. Right. If I'm asking you to do 50 reps, chances are I probably only want you to do 35, but I want your brain to think I need to go beyond 35. Sure. Right. And so I I can relate to what your client is telling you. And I think it's amazing that he even points it out because some clients won't give you feedback. I've had, Oh man, I've had some of the most awkward sessions ever that we can talk about, you know, in a different uh, medium. But I think learning what it is for any of the personal trainers out there or anybody who's in the service industry like we are, yeah. I think it's important to know that and to hear that. And that's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. Hey man, it's not my words, it's somebody else's, but you know what? He's something that like that I have really listened to. Again, one of the one of the amazing things about having these wonderful clients is that they are giving, they are making you better at the same time that you're making them better. Bingo. You know, and it's a, it's a really interesting uh, synergy that happens there. So, um, I guess, uh, like, we'll start wrapping it up. Um, but one of the questions I always find interesting is, uh, what is a barrier that you kind of find you, yourself personally to maybe achieving your own goals, um, whether that's fitness or like with developing your a barrier yeah i would say probably the uh sorry that's my phone going off oh that's all right, all right all good. <laughs> it's getting late and, and it's like <laughs> wifey's like what is happening are you done with your podcasting <laughs> um so what is a barrier um i think that like my own personality was a big barrier um, and something that was a uh, the, that I recognized needed changing, and I was sort of like always evolving and changing and things like that. Um, and it's it, if you are in one place in life and you are working under one roof, 
and you have a you get a reputation there's a there's a, pr- a point of pride associated with people that are trying to give you direct like i said before i'm a terrible employee so um i'm serious man I don't don't hire me and, point received uh, and it's a when you're working under one roof you can take things uh, and take things personally and you you know you end up there's an ego involved and everything like that once you exit that roof and and you're in the wild uh, you have an opportunity to either continue being the way that you were or or change and and put your ego aside uh, and I'm talking about like as if I'm 50 years old or something like that and I'm not I don't I'm still learning this stuff and still trying to get better at it but I think that you really need to be conscientious about how you're interacting with other people and giving them the time of day and being a little bit less selfish and more selfless on that front um, because ultimately it's going to get you to your goal faster than you uh, and then if you were uh, operating selfishly if that makes sense so that was a thing that I had to figure out and and it's and it's a hurdle that I still try to get over um, uh, and and I'm figuring out how to work around it all the time because there are times in life where you need to be more self-focused, but at the, you know at, at, you got to be smart about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the biggest that was probably the biggest barrier for uh, all the you know what like all the other problems in the world can be solved. That's a tricky one to figure out, you know, and and your your own self and and with your own personality and like how you want to go forward and what you want your legacy to be is it like that's a difficult thing to figure out and this was the this was for me thus far that's been the difficult the the most challenging thing um and most challenging aspect of achieving that so interesting nice well we are definitely coming up on time this has been great i feel like we could talk for hours yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't know if if the listeners want to carry on and hang out with us for hours but we, we do have, what, two questions that we normally ask every, every yeah. guest? Yeah, um, I think any listeners who do have more questions um, can, like, reach out on social media. Um, Perfect. And continue the conversation, yes. which I think is always important. But, yeah, uh, one of the first last questions we end on is uh, what you're most kind of thankful and grateful for. Um, we're very much inspired by the five-minute journal which Josh uses a lot, yeah. and I'm starting to use. Yeah, um, you're using it now? Yeah. Oh, good, good. Um, so, yeah, what this week you're kind of, like, most grateful for? Uh, people around me, right? Always, like, that's, like, the number one thing that is the, like, as the, the older I get, the more that becomes such a critical, important thing because everybody your good people are always going to be helping you and treat them well and you know and and if they scratch your back you should scratch theirs and that's for friends and uh, family and you know your spouse and all of those things and your clients it's like those are things and I'm super thankful for all those people because they're always you know there for me if I need them and we should have probably got this other question in earlier Uh, but it's okay. We get it when we get it. One last thing. Uh-huh. Uh, give me two of your top pet peeves. Huh. Um, <laughs> this is just a good way for people to get to know a little bit more about you. If Okay, pet peeve. <laughs> Other than being asked what your pet peeves are. It's my, where my stuff is. Where your stuff is. 
All right, so but let me, let me hang on. Let me elaborate what that means. Okay, please. All right. So when you you know how this goes, and if, if you live in New York City, and you, all right, how much stuff do you have on you right now? He's getting irritated already. I don't know, but seriously, how much stuff do you have on your person right uh, now? A lot, man. I have too much. You have like you probably have a hundred different things on your that you're carrying around. You have a computer and your cable and the iPhone jack and the and the microphone and the training thing and a key and the this and the that and the other thing and it's like if any of that stuff get or the, or the, the way that it's arranged in my bag gets out of order for whatever reason that is a, a that's a huge pet peeve that's a huge oh, pet it peeve. can drive me mad i've lost one of my notebooks recently and it's yeah. driven me insane because i have no idea where it is that stuff is critical man you can't have for that sure. stuff go awry so anyway that's one one um i'll just give an easy one the the uh that I experience a lot in New York, and I think I'm probably a, a very much guilty of this as well. But people not being conscientious of space, right, and the space that you're in. So this is a very population dense area. You know, if I was in the middle of Wyoming, and I could talk on my cell phone all that I wanted and play music loudly, and you know, try and bump into people that weren't there in space. But in New York, it's a little different, right? You are and always in a path of someone else, mm-hmm. whether it's audibly or you know physically or mentally. And we like New Yorkers and, and I think people in big cities in general, in order to survive and be frustrated as, as low because that's a that's a adds to stress, right? And so for all of us to be low stress, we should we should find ways to walk in parallel lanes. Um, or talk in parallel lanes and, you know, as much as we can, um, regardless of everybody being so, you know, everyone moving in a different direction. I think that it's like just being conscientious of, to your other fellow humans in that regard is like a, is a, is a big thing. That's not right. I said it the other way around. It's not really a pet peeve, I guess, but you get the idea. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said, my friend. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, it's great speaking with you. Before we leave, why don't you tell listeners where they can find out more about you and your product, the Axel. Yeah. Um, probably easiest way is axelworkout.com is our website. Um, and then you can sign up for a class there. That's A-X-L-E workout.com. And you can, so sign up for classes on there. Um, the product is only on pre-order right now. Um, so, and we'll be, uh, right now we're just working with commercial gyms, but we'll be launching uh, a full programming for people that want to take like an at-home class it's a very useful tool to have at your house so we'll just awesome. you can have a live class or whatever but that's so yeah it'll be down the road and surely you're on social media surely yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. easy instagram and facebook and all that and stuff. what is it with the handle hashtag axle workout or, or yes or at yeah. ampersand or at <laughs> ampersand yeah uh, or no, not, is that, is that, that's not ampersand. Symbol. Yeah, the at symbol. What is ampersand? Is the and right? It's the yeah. and symbol. The oh, at whatever. symbol. Yeah, it's just the yeah, at symbol. Whatever you know, the at symbol. Yes. So at axle workout. Yep. Perfect. Well, yep. thank you so much, Andrew, for coming in. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, guys. Um, and again, uh, if anyone has any more questions or want to keep, wants to keep the conversation going, please let us know. Let us know. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Simply Walk the Talk. If you have any questions or comments, shout out to us on social media or email us at hello at simplywalkthetalk.com. And if you liked this episode and it was helpful in any way, feel free to share. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs)